Thank you for tuning in to our Restoration Life podcast. Don't forget to rate and review the message and share it out with your friends on social media. Can't wait for you to listen in next week. Today I want to look at something else that I think will help us to live in the freedom that Christ made available for all of us. Let me read what the book of Proverbs chapter 3, 5, and 6 says, and then we're going to unpack this as we get through this message. It says this, with all your heart, you must trust the Lord and lean not on your own judgment. Always let him lead you and he will clear the road for you to follow. I love the way this translation puts it. NIV says it this way, trust in the Lord with all your heart. Lean not on your own understanding, but acknowledge God in all your ways and he will make your path straight. Can you just bow your head and pray with me? just a moment if you're watching us online welcome back welcome home we want you to pray with us today father in the name of jesus we thank you for the season that we're in lord god it's exposing a lot of the darkness that's in our world and even in the midst of exposure satan is doing what he does best and that is deceive the brethren and so father in the midst of deception i pray for truth to have dominion Lord, we know that your word is truth. And so, Father, we pray today in Jesus' name for truth to be downloaded into all of our hearts and minds today. Lord, that we would not lean on our own understanding, that we would not lean on our own wisdom, that we would not lean on what we hear and see coming from this world, but, Father, that we would lean into your truth, that we would lean into your wisdom, that we would continue to navigate this life as you have called us to live. We thank you for your grace and your mercy that's on all of us. This we pray in Jesus' name. And everyone said, come on, somebody make a joyful noise this morning. Come on. Come on, if you're saved, you love God, you're free, make some noise this morning to heaven. Let all of heaven hear you. You know, it's interesting when you think about this word freedom and and what it means to literally be free the way that Jesus describes freedom is. And when you look at the Bible, both in the Old Testament and the New Testament, it really helps us navigate this freedom and not allow ourselves to be incarcerated by the things that Jesus Christ set us free from. And so when you look back at the Old Testament or you look into the New Testament and you look at the book of Romans chapters 1 through 11, last week we unpacked a little bit about the doctrinal understanding of our freedom in Christ. And Paul teaches this in Romans 1 chapter 1 through Romans 11, and then in chapter 12, he explains the marks of freedom, that there are eight visual marks of freedom that Christians need to be living in. And as I look at this this, this study, it's something that we have to understand both doctrinally, the grace of God that's been put on us, and also the work that Christ uses to shape us and mold us into the Christians that he needs us to be and desires us to be for such a time as this. So let me remind you, the first mark of freedom is a fully surrendered life. And the other mark of freedom is a freed mind. Say a freed mind. So chapters, you know, one of the things, if, if, if you haven't been a student of the Bible, one of the greatest ways to begin your study of the Bible is to read the book of John, then the book of Acts, then the book of Romans. The book of John is one of the one of the the synoptic gospels that helps tell the story of Jesus and his coming, his death, burial, and resurrection. 
And then you go into the book of Acts and you see the birthing of the church and the movement of the church. And then in the book of Romans, Paul unpacks the doctrinal teaching, our theology, when it comes to living and applying God's truth to our everyday life. So those are the three books, if you're starting out new, that you should be reading first. But I want to talk to you about a freed mind, because a freed mind is a transformed mind. And a transformed mind is a mind at peace. And I don't know about you, but how many could use some peace in the midst of all this chaos? Right? So first we present ourselves a living sacrifice, as Romans chapter 12 verse 1 says. We submit ourselves or surrender ourselves to the lordship and the kingship of Christ. No terms of surrender, but an unconditional surrender. Then when the sacrifice becomes acceptable to God, then we read Romans chapter 12 verse 2. This is what the Bible says. It says, do not conform to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by what? By the renewing of your mind. Then, and only then, will you be able to test and approve what God's will is. His good, pleasing, and perfect will. Here's what I want to say to you today. Not every sacrifice is acceptable to God. Not every sacrifice we present to God is acceptable to God. Why? Because it has to be fully surrendered to God. So a fully sacrificed or surrendered life to God is a life that is acceptable to God. And then secondly, in order to live the life that Christ called us to live in, our minds have to be free. So the question is, what must it be free from? The reality is that many of us may have grown up in a non, how many of you grew up in a non-Christian home? Raise your hand, just just by hand, just looking around real quickly, right? How many of you grew up in a Christian home that was a little weird? Raise your hand, just weird. How many of you grew up in a home where your parents proclaimed to be Christians but didn't live like a Christian back at home? You don't have to raise your hand because you might get smacked upside your head by your parent. So we all come into this new life carrying different philosophies, different interpretations of Scripture. Some of us may have come from different um, doctrinal teaching, uh, denominations, movements, whether you were Pentecostal, a, a, a Methodist, a Presbyterian, an Episcopalian, whatever. You fill in the blank. Every movement has its own way of interpreting truth in, found in Scripture based on their belief system that they inherited from the generation before them. And so it's important. That's why at Restoration Life we do our DNA class because we want to make sure that you understand not just what the Bible says, but also how to apply it to your everyday life with your family, with your children, with your spouse, at your workplace, and amongst one another as we continue to advance the kingdom of God together. So it's interesting to know that Paul says that you and I are to have this renewed mind because a renewed mind is a transformed mind and a transformed mind is essential to a freed mind. A freed mind. I grew up in a non-Christian environment. I grew up in a house that never really talked about God unless it was time to go to church on Sunday with my grandfather and that was something that I was made to do not necessarily something that I wanted to do 
And the reality is when I went to church, I really didn't understand everything that I heard because it really didn't make any sense to me. Not that I was paying attention either, but it really didn't make a whole lot of sense to me. And so that was my upbringing. So I really didn't know about God, nor did I know about his word. And it wasn't until I became a born-again Christian that I started opening up the Bible and learning from myself what the Bible actually teaches in, 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 in when it comes to my relationship with God. And so I'm reminded of what Paul the Apostle said in 1 Corinthians chapter 2, verse 14, because the reality is this. If you're not a Christian or you're not led by the Holy Spirit of God, then the truth is it's hard for you to understand what the Bible's teaching you and I in order to apply it to our life so we can live the freed life that Christ set us free to live in. So 1 Corinthians chapter 2, verse 14, Paul writes this letter to the church at Corinth, and he says, the person without the Spirit does not accept the things that come from the Spirit of God, but considers them foolishness and cannot understand them because they are discerned only through the Spirit. And so the gospel is a call to, for the unbeliever to repent of their sin and to embrace Christ by faith. Now, it's interesting when you look at the Greek word repentance or the word that they use for repentance in the Greek, it literally carries this understanding of a change of mind. Our thinking needs to be changed or transformed from how we used to think in ungodliness to ways that we're supposed to think in this new godly way of living and so that we know in our minds what is true and what is untrue. What is deception? What is corruption? What is error? What are lies? And so therefore, in order to process that stuff correctly, we need to have our minds renewed. And a renewed mind is a free mind. It's a free mind because it finds itself navigating all the information that's coming into it through the filter of God's word and God's truth. Now, stick with me here because we're going somewhere with this. Because the only way to actually discern error in the world's way of thinking is to replace it with God's truth. And the only infallible source of truth is God's revealed word. And so it's important for us to know our word, not just to know it like in a knowledgeable way, like I've retained a scripture I've retained my theology. I've retained my doctrine. I understand what the Bible says. That's, that's good, but it's not enough. It's not enough to know the Bible. It's not enough to understand what the Bible says. We have to put it into application in every area of our life. Paul writes to his spiritual son, Timothy, who is the pastor of the Ephesian church, and he writes in 2 Timothy chapter 2, verse 15, he says, do your, do your best to present yourself to God as one approved, a worker who does not need to be ashamed, and who correctly handles the word of truth. So not only do we have to know what we believe, but we have to apply what we believe. Romans 1.18, Paul says this to the church in Rome. He says, the wrath of God is being revealed from heaven against all godlessness and wickedness of people who suppress the truth 
by their wickedness. And here is one of the main problems that we see in Christianity today, is that people know the truth, but they suppress the truth so that they can live the kind of life that they desire to live instead of the life that God's got planned out for them to live. And this is where we find ourselves. And, and if we're just being honest, we all get ourselves in trouble with this. We all find ourselves navigating through this truth because, man, we're, we, we, we live in the world, but we're not supposed to be a part of the world. We live in this flesh, right, this earthly temple, this carne asada, but we're supposed to be led by the Spirit. And so there's always this tug of war between the Spirit of God and the truth of God and our flesh and our earthly desires to do whatever we want to do whenever we want to do it. This is the tug of war that you and I find ourselves in. And so what we tend to do is we tend to suppress the truth of God's word so that we feel more comfortable with who we are in the life that we're living. And so instead of forgiving people the way that we're supposed to, we suppress that, that truth and stay bitter with people. Right? And instead of honoring our, our, our husbands, instead of loving our wives, we suppress that truth and just do what feels right to us. Why? Because it's in constant conflict, right? The spirit and the flesh are in constant conflict with one another. And I believe that we are supposed to be the kind of church that preaches truth because the truth will set them free. And Jesus is truth. And so we can't suppress that truth just because we don't want to ruffle some feathers. We live in a cancel culture kind of society. The moment somebody doesn't like what you say, canceled. The moment somebody posts something on your timeline that you don't like, unfollow, block. Right? The moment somebody comes in opposition of your perspective or your truth, immediately, instead of trying to talk it out, you're my enemy. Right? But the Bible says to pray for your enemies. Oh, no, 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 I'm suppressing that truth. The Bible says, watch this, I know some of you are going to get bent out of shape right now. Get ready to pucker up. To pray for your president. To pray for your government. To pray for your leadership. No, 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 I'm going to suppress that truth. I can't stand him. I can't stand our government. I can't stand what they're saying. I can't stand what they're doing. But I understand you can't stand it. But as Christians, we can't suppress the truth of what Scripture is teaching us to do. Right? Your biblical view has to overcome your political view. And your biblical truth and perspective has to help you decide how you are going to live out your political perspective. When you're more of a patriot than you are a Christian, there's a problem with your faith. When you're more Democrat or Republican than you are Christian, there is a problem with your faith. And, and if me talking about praying for the government, because the Bible says to pray for your government and the leaders that God has appointed, then there's not a problem with God's truth. There's a problem in your flesh that you have to process. Is this okay? Is this all right? Romans 125, let's, let's look at more truth. They exchange the truth about God for a lie and worship and serve created things rather than the creator who is forever praised, amen. Forever praised. 
when I decided to keep our church open because I believed that we are essential, there were a lot of people that got mad at me. They got upset at me for keeping our church open. If I, when, I, when I closed down the church because I didn't understand the pandemic, there were people that got mad at me. They got upset at me, right? So I have to be led by God's truth based on what he says, not what man says, right? And this goes even to the point of government. When the government starts to trample the truth of God for our lives and the way that we're supposed to live it, I'm going to flex my First Amendment right, and I'm going to preach God's truth, right? Because it's the truth that sets us free. And so they exchange the truth for, uh, about God for a lie, and they worship and serve the created things rather than the creator who is praised forever and ever. Amen. Now, here's the truth. We are supposed to submit to our leadership and our government because that's honorable. But the moment that they overstep their grounds, and that's coming back to biblical truth, then as Christians, I'm first a Christian before I'm a patriot. Come on. I know this is going to settle in in just a second. and just, just let this truth marinate in you right now. Because I want you to live the kind of life that, 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 that Christ provided for all of us. Not just some of us, but all of us. He, created, he, he provided freedom for all of us. And how do we respond to that freedom? Well, we don't go back to the incarceration of our sin. We learn how to take biblical truth, apply it to our lives, and live it in every area of our life. And so a, transform, a transformation that takes place in a renewed mind comes as we expose ourselves to God's truth through faithful preaching, teaching, and clarification of God's word. But it also transition in, transitions into your own personal Bible study. Right? How many know that you're supposed to be reading your Bible? You're supposed to be studying your Bible. Come on, we've made life groups available. We've made RLU, come on, available for everybody in our church so that you could be rightfully trained in God's word, not only to understand it or know it, but also to apply it and use it in every area of your life. God's truth should be your default to every situation and circumstance in your life. So if I'm having a problem with my spouse, then my default is, what does God say about this? If I'm having a problem with my children, then my default is, what does God say about this? If I'm having, a tr if I'm having trouble with, with, with a politician, I'm going to say, what does God say about this? If I'm having trouble with my neighbor, I'm going to say, what does God say about this? If, my, if I'm having trouble internally, I'm going to say what God has to say about this. Why? Because that truth sets me free. It sets me free because I decide to surrender my perspective, my understanding, come on, my wisdom, what I've been brought in for God's truth. And sometimes, in fact, all the time, this is a process. How many of you have ever messed up the settings on your TV or your smart device and you just needed to shut it down and reset it and reboot it and restore it? Come on. I think that a lot of times we need to do that in our Christianity. Sometimes we get so caught up. Come on. The, the mental, your mental health is determined by what you feed your mind. And if you're constantly feeding your mind all the lies that you see in all the news media, 
it's going to cause anxiety and fear to take place in your life. If you're constantly worried about who likes you and who doesn't like you, who follows you and who unfollows you, that's going to mess with your head. Come on, if your life is all about making everybody happy, you've already failed. And then you got to deal with that. But if you rest on God's truth and you feed your mind God's truth, then when you go through stuff in life, whether it be in your job, whether it be in your business, whether it be in your parenting, whether it be in your relationships, your friendships, your, your, your marriage, your, your family, you default to God's truth and you'll always have an answer that will help you navigate the situation that you're in. There are no shortcuts to this. There is no magic formula in renewing your mind. It's not like you come to Jesus. God, I give you my life. I give you my mind. I give you my heart. I'm all yours, God. And all of a sudden, you walk out of church. You feel like, man, this is good. I'm born again. I've been freed. I'm living a new life. And then somebody cusses you out. Or you hear that somebody talked about you. Or somebody disagreed with you on your social media platform. And all of a sudden, all of hell breaks loose. Why? Because your mind is still being renewed by God's truth. And we struggle to navigate that as human beings. Because whatever you feed your mind determines how healthy your mind will be. If you're constantly feeding your mind garbage from online, your mind is going to be saturated with filth. Come on, if you're constantly listening to the lies of this world, it's going to create an anxiety and a depression that you have no control over because you've just surrendered to what the enemy said instead of what God says. And so it's important. Jesus goes as far as praying for the people that he had left the mandate of preaching the gospel to, and 2,000 years later, this word still rings true today. John 17, 14 through 20, Jesus said, I have given them your what? Your word. I've given them your word, and the world has hated them. Did you hear that? You might end up being hated because of your relationship to Jesus. You might end up being hated for living out the truth that sets you free and communicating that truth with the whosoevers of this world. You might be hated for it. Jesus was hated for it. He even said, if I was persecuted, you'll be persecuted for it. So he says, I've given them your word and the world has hated them for they are not of the world anymore than I am of the world. My prayer is not that you take them out of the world, but you protect them from the evil one. They are not of the world, even as I am not of it. Then what does he say? Jesus says, sanctify them. Somebody say sanctify. sanctify. Here's another word that you won't normally hear in your workplace. Hey, can you sanctify that burger for me? Hey, can you sanctify that cubicle? <laughs> hey, can you sanctify my time? No, it's not, a, it's not a word that you would normally use in your workplace or even at home. It's like, hey, honey, make sure you sanctify some ribs for me. It's not something that you would normally hear in, in everyday life. But the word sanctify is a very important word when it comes to your Christianity. Because when the word sanctify is being used, it literally means to be made holy 
and to be set apart. Okay? To be made holy and to be set apart. Set apart for what? Set apart for God's purpose. So when you look at the temple and everything that they brought into the temple, the Ark of the Covenant, the basin, uh, the, 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 the menorah, all these things, they were all sanctified, they were all made holy, and they were used for God's purpose. Whenever the priests would go into the temple of God, into the presence of God, they would have to sanctify themselves. They would have to give up a sin offering to make sure that there was an offering made for their sin. Something had to die. Something had to be given to God. And then they would bathe themselves in a pool. And out of that pool, the symbol of that is that they would be washed clean of everything. And then they would put on these garments. And as they walked into the presence of God, they were sanctified. They were set apart for God's purpose in the same way, the Bible declares that you and I are a chosen people, that we are a royal priesthood, and we have been sanctified, we have been set apart, we have been blood-bought by Jesus Christ himself, and we have been made holy by Christ himself, and now we have been sanctified for purpose. There's a reason for your sanctification. And so what does God say? Jesus says, sanctify them how? How does he say it? Sanctify them by the truth. Your word is truth. And as you sent me into the world, I have sent them into the world. So you have to, you have to get this. You've you, you got to get this in you. Because here's where we get ourselves in trouble. We get ourselves in trouble when we suppress God's truth for whatever we want to experience in life. This is where we get ourselves in trouble. We get ourselves in trouble all the time. I don't know about you, but in the beginning of my Christianity, I was a troublemaker. I made so much trouble for myself. Like, nobody messed my life up more than me. Anybody with me on that? And I just found out that the more I leaned into my own understanding, the more that I made judgments based on my upbringing and what I was taught, the more and more trouble I would find myself in. And even though... I was saved, I was born again, I've been given a new life, a new mind, a new heart, a new lifestyle. Even though I understood all of, all of that, I was still learning how to process God's truth over what I've learned the 19 years before my encounter with Jesus. And so we, we've been taught to think a certain way, and that way of thinking needs to be restored by truth. Romans 8, 5, and 6 says it this way. Those who live according to the flesh have their mind set on what the flesh desires. In case you're new to Christianity and you don't know your flesh, is your desire to be in disobedience to God. Whether you feel like it's disobedient, doesn't matter. The fact that anything, anything that opposes God's truth is sin. To them to know, to do what is right and do what not, to them it is sin. And so if you know the truth and you don't do it, you're in sin. That's what the Bible teaches us. And so it's important for you to understand what you believe because how you believe is how you receive and how you receive is how you interpret truth and how you interpret truth is how you live out truth. So that when I speak to my son, I don't speak to him on my own worldly wisdom. I speak to him God's truth because God's truth is transformational. When I speak to my daughter concerning whatever circumstance she may find herself in, I speak God's truth because God's truth is more powerful than anything I can say. 
And it's transformational. When last night, my grandson, for whatever reason, felt like something was scaring him. And we've all gone through that, that growth stage where, you know, uh, the door moves a little bit or, you know, you hear a little, little noise or whatever. You know, you think that something's there. And he came into our room and, and he was like, I saw the door move. <laughs> and I'm like, okay, well, maybe a gust of wind, um, you know, moved the door. He goes, Grandpa, there's no wind in our house. I was like, okay, you got a point there. And I said, well, let's, let's, let's pray. And I said, listen, I want you to know that God loves you and that God is with you and God won't allow anything dark to happen to you because of his grace that's on you. Why don't we come together and just pray for a peace of mind? And I was able to sit there with my wife and my, my son and my, my daughter, my, my grandson and my daughter. We were able just to pray for him, lay hands on him and believe God for him as we're imparting truth so that when he grows up and the next time he sees the door move, he remembers the truth. My God is with me. And if God is with me, who can be against me? He remembers truth. I will never leave you or forsake you. He remembers truth wherever I am, he is. He remembers truth, especially when you're afraid. When you're afraid, you want to remember God's truth because God's truth dispels all fear. And so it's important that we train up our children in the way that they should go so that when they're older, they don't depart. But this isn't human wisdom. This is divine wisdom from heaven found only in God's truth, which is his word. Romans 8, 5 and 6 says this. Those who live according to the flesh have their minds set on what the flesh desires. But those who live in accordance with the spirit have their minds set on what the spirit desires. The mind is governed by the flesh. The mind governed by the flesh is death, but the mind governed by the spirit is life and peace. And I'm here to ask who can use a little bit more life and a little bit more peace in the, in the climate that we're living in today. We have to apply God's truth to it. Lastly, I, I'd like to just close with the dangers of an unstable mind. Have you ever met somebody whose mind was unstable? You're like, who are you telling, Pastor? I live with somebody who's unstable. An unstable mind is an unhealthy mind. And an unhealthy mind makes bad decisions. And bad decisions don't only affect you. It affects everybody around you. Are you hearing me? Whatever you decide to do with your life doesn't only affect your life. It affects everybody's life around you. Believe it or not, it affects those that love you, care for you, have laid down their life for you. It affects everybody around you. So one bad decision cannot just throw your life into a tailspin, but those that love you into a tailspin with you. Your sin doesn't only affect you, it affects everybody around you. So when you make a bad decision, and many of us do, and I have in my past, when you make a bad decision, those that I care about are affected by my bad decision. And that bad decision was made not because I rested on God's truth, because, but because I rested in my own wisdom and my own, my own understanding. And so we get ourselves into trouble. We live in a culture that wants to blame everybody else for everything that we do. And the reality is, is we got to own it. We got to own our bad decisions. We got to own the decisions that we make. And we just got to be honest. I messed up. I, how many of you have ever just made a decision based on impulse? Right? 
You saw those nice pair of shoes, you knew you couldn't afford them. But you wanted them. And you had a little space on your credit card. <laughs> Some people are very impulsive in the way they decide to do things. Some people take forever and ever to make a decision. Not because they don't know the truth, but they just don't feel comfortable with the truth. Let me say this to some of you. God's truth will make your flesh uncomfortable all the time. Get used to it. Get used to being uncomfortable because the society that we live in is ungodly. Everything about our society is ungodly. That's why we believe in the kingdom of God and living within the kingdom of God. And even though we're in the world, we're not of the world, but we have to navigate as we live in this world. And we're called to reach this world with the gospel of Jesus Christ. Our motive is our mission. Our motive is our mission. But there's a danger in unstable mind. How many of you ever met somebody who's bipolar who doesn't take their medication? Since stability in their thinking. How many of you have ever met somebody with, with degenerative um, uh, uh, mental disease? Where they just start to forget. Roxanne thinks that I'm, I'm almost there right now. Just because I have selective memory. But there's a danger in an unstable mind. A mind that says yes, and then tomorrow it says no over the same thing. James 1-2 puts it this way. Consider it pure, jo pure joy, my brothers and sisters, whenever you face trials of many kinds because you know that the testing of your faith produces perseverance. Let perseverance finish its work so that you may be mature and complete, not lacking in anything. If any of you lacks wisdom, you should ask Oprah. <laughs> no, I know, Nick Cannon. Oh, oh, maybe one of these famous rappers. I know, 6 9 has the answer for all of us. You're mad, I'm mad too. I don't know. You hear what I'm saying? We use the world's wisdom, the world's mentality, the world's uh, uh, understanding of truth, and they're lost. They're lost on so many levels. And our responsibility is to pray for them to love on them, but also to speak life and truth found only in God's word. And so it goes on to say, let perseverance finish its work so that you may be mature and complete, not lacking in anything. And if any of you lacks wisdom, you should ask God, who gives generously to all without finding fault, and it will be given to you. But when you ask, what does it say? You must believe and not doubt, because the one who doubts is like a wave of the sea, blown and tossed by the wind. That person should not expect to receive anything from the Lord. Such a person is double-minded and unstable in all they do. How many of you have ever been out on the ocean in a boat? Anybody? Now, I, I sold everything as of recently because we're trying to build this house. And I remember just being out in the ocean during some pretty hectic um, um, weather. And the reality is it doesn't matter how much power my little boat had. When the waves decided to kick up and the storm began to rage and the winds began to blow, it was so 
hard to navigate that storm in this little boat that is very limited in its power. I was subject to the wind. I was subject to the waves. I was subject to, the, to a degree, right? The, the current that I was in. And if I wasn't, if I wasn't a good um, um, uh, 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 sailor, if you want to put it in those, in those words, if I wasn't a good boat captain, I, I could have found myself in a lot of trouble and a lot of the people that were fishing with me in a lot of trouble because you are at the hands of that storm. Whatever that storm wants to do with you, it will remind you, right? Mother Nature will remind you of how little you really are. And that's how it is in life a lot of times. A lot of times, the storms of life come, the affliction of life come, the sickness of life comes, the lies of life come, and all the stuff that's thrown on us will sometimes, if we're not careful, cause us to be blown back and forth in the storm. But God is a secure anchor for the soul of his sons and his daughters. And we're anchored deep in his presence and anchored deep in his truth. And we say yes to God and no to the error of the principality of this world. James 4, 7 puts it this way. Submit yourselves to God. Resist the devil. Somebody say resist the devil. And he will flee from you. The problem with today's Christianity is we invite the devil in. By not letting God's truth rule and reign our decision making. The way that we raise our family. The way that we treat our spouse. The way that we love our neighbor. The way that we work at our job. The way that we run our businesses. The, the way that we're supposed to be a shining light in the darkness of this world. We allow the enemy in. And to have dominion when the reality is that the dominion belongs to God and God alone. And so what does it mean to be double-minded? Well, the term double-minded comes from a Greek word. Uh, it's, it's, it's this Greek word that it's called dipsuchos. Dis, dipsuchos. And dipsuchos literally means somebody with two minds or two souls. And so to grasp the full meaning of this word, we've got to look at it. And in the way that it's used in context. And Jesus refers to this in Matthew chapter 6, verse 24. He says it this way. He says, no one can serve two masters. Either you will hate the one or you will love the other. You will be devoted to the one and despise the other. You can't serve both God and money. You can't. You can't be double-minded. You can't, you can't serve God and the cares of this world. You have to love the one and despise the other. God doesn't want you to despise people. God wants you to love them into his kingdom. But we are called to put on the mind of Christ. Can anybody say amen? Because the person that serves two masters is unstable in all their ways. It comes from that, a word meaning unsteady, wavering, both in character, emotions, and yes, Watch this, theology. Somebody say theology. Here's another word that you won't normally hear outside of Christianity. Because your theology is your beliefs and theory when systematically developed. The word theology comes from the Greek word theos, meaning God, and logos, meaning word. And so the study of theology is an effort for you and I to make definitive statements about God and his implication in an accurate, coherent, relevant way based on God's self-revelation. It's how he communicates through his word. 
doctrine, another word that you wouldn't normally hear, equips people to fulfill their primary purpose, which is to glorify and delight in God through a deep personal knowledge of Him that transitions in the way that we live for Him and serve Him. And so a meaningful relationship with God is dependent on knowledge of Him, but it can't stop at knowledge. It's no good whatsoever for you to know your Bible forwards, backwards, upside down, your theology, your doctrine. Maybe you could read and translate Greek and Hebrew like a scholar, but if you don't apply it to your Christianity and live it out in faith amongst your friends and your family and your church, your religion is useless. It's useless. You know what, what frustrates me more than anything? Is somebody who knows the Bible and might even preach the Bible or teach the Bible or, or beat people over the head with the Bible, but they themselves are not living out what they believe. That's one of the biggest frustrations that I have is people say, that say they know God, but their actions show that they're more worldly than they are godly. And so a double-minded person shouldn't shouldn't expect anything from God. This is what they said. This is what Scripture says. Not what Eddie said. It's what the Bible says. And so here's my point. An unstable person is always in conflict with themselves first and then everyone else. They're torn because they're unstable. I want to encourage you guys this morning to put on the mind of Jesus. 1 Corinthians 2.13 says, this is what we speak. Not in words taught to us by human wisdom, but in words taught by the Spirit, explaining spiritual realities. With the Spirit taught words, the person without the Spirit does not accept the things that come from the Spirit, but God considers them foolishness and cannot understand them because they are discerned only through the Spirit. The person with the Spirit makes judgments about all things, but such a person is not subject to merely human judgments, for who has known the mind of the Lord such as such to instruct him? but we have the mind of Christ. So the mind of Christ stands in sharp contrast to the wisdom of man. The mind of Christ involves wisdom from God, once hidden, but now revealed in truth. The mind of Christ is given to all believers through the Spirit of God. The mind of Christ cannot be understood by those without the Spirit. The mind of Christ gives believers discernment in all spiritual matters. And in order to have the mind of Christ, one must first have a saving faith in Jesus Christ. After salvation, the believer becomes, the, the believer lives a life under God's influence. The Holy Spirit begins to indwell and enlighten the believer, depositing wisdom that comes from the mind of Christ that's found in the Bible. Come on, somebody say, study your Bible. Look at somebody tell them, study your Bible. Right? If you know the truth, if you know the truth, He'll set you free. And so in closing, I love what Paul, Paul writes, or the Hebrew writer writes in Hebrews 12, 3, he says, so keep your mind on Jesus who put up with many insults from sinners. Then you won't get discouraged and give up. Come on. Having the mind of Christ is essential to living in freedom because a freed mind is a transformed mind. And a transformed mind is subject to the truth found in God's Word. Paul finishes by writing in Galatians 2.20, he says this, I have been crucified with Christ. It is no longer I who live, but Christ who lives in me. 
And the life I now live in the flesh, I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and he gave himself.